African-American men and spirituality. Notice I said spirituality and not religion. I know all about religion. I've been in religion and church just about my entire life. But what about the conversation all around spirituality? Today, we continue on this last day of June, our men's health series. We've talked about financial wellness. We've talked about mental wellness. We've talked about our physical health. We've even talked about fashion and style for men. Today, we're going to talk all about men and spirituality. And I have a great guest who has a great story to share around this topic. Sit back, relax, take notes, join in the conversation by typing in the comments and sharing your own personal experience. This is going to be a great episode. going on everyone welcome to another live episode with markeith braden and the maximize your brand podcast i am so excited to be joined with you today because we are continuing our conversation on men's health and we've covered several topics this month and i'm kind of going to be a little disappointed that uh, we are ending Men's Health Month. And so I have um, challenged myself to do more of these types of conversations with, you know, some impactful, influential men that I know across this country. And today is no different. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with my guest today. And we're not going to prolong this introduction. Let me introduce my guest today. My guest today is Mr. Donald Morton. He is an award-winning social entrepreneur known for his innovative social solutions. His latest solution is expressed as CEO of the Reman Project, where he helps black men break the vicious cycle of missed potential so that they transform their lives, leadership, and legacy. The Reman Project is deeply personal. While Donald is glad that thousands of men around the world are on this journey with him, it was started because he needed personal liberation. After experiencing divorce, business challenges, bankruptcy, cancer, he needed to put his life back together through the proprietary signature science, the character arc. Morton had almost 30 years of experience, has almost 30 years of experience in African-American community leadership. So we're going to go ahead and bring in my guest today, Mr. Donald Morton. What's going on, Don? How are you doing today? Incredible, man. Um, you, you, you ever, you, I don't know whether you've ever caught the bus, Marquis, <laughs> but if you've ever caught the bus, man, when the bus uh, is a little late, you kind of stand up from the thing and you go out and you look. I've been waiting for this moment uh, since the invitation. 
And so awesome. I, awesome. I, I, uh, I'm excited to be here with you, man. I count you a friend. So thank you for uh, lending your platform to my voice. Yeah, I appreciate you agreeing to join us uh, today. So I gave a little brief bio, but I love to always allow my guests to give a little bit more of a deep dive and let us know how you show up in the world. Yeah, man. Uh, I am most importantly a black man, right? Uh, a, a black man, all of the nuances that come along with being a black man. Um, I am that and have developed uh, a way to spend the rest of my life making sure that black males across the country and around the world are uplifted, uh, that are supported, that are healed, that are whole, and that be, they become singular uh, as, as men, right? And so, um, you know, I have experienced all of the traumas and the benefits of being a black male. And so, you know, for me, spending the rest of my life making sure that the foundation of our society, which I believe are men, uh, and the way that we show up in the world uh, is what I'll spend the rest of my life doing. So um, I am formally married, formerly married, and I have three kids, an older daughter, uh, two sons, and all of them are adults. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the other things that were in my uh, bio uh, a little later today. So I'm excited to be with you, man. So that's new to me, formerly married. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no longer married. Um, okay. And uh, because uh, th there, there comes a time where you have to choose uh, between what is best for you and what is best mm -hmm. for others, yeah. right? Uh, and sometimes, uh, Mark Keith, what is best for you and what is best for another comes to the same space of intersection. Mm -hmm. Right. And so divorce, while it is an ugly word and why I believe in family, I believe in marriage. Um, I also believe that sometimes what is best is the separation and divorce of two individuals who cannot agree. Mm -hmm. Right. The scripture says can two walk together uh, except they agree. And when they yeah. can't and that agreement is continually uh, bruised then you've got to make some different kinds of choices. Uh, so I made a different kind of choice. Well, I appreciate that transparency and sharing, sharing that. Well, yeah. today we're talking all about men, particularly black men and spirituality. And both of us uh, have spent time in ministry uh, and we both are ordained ministers and yes. spent time working with people within the church and praying for individuals within the church, outside the church and hospitals and communities. And I thought, you know, you would be a great guest to have this conversation around spirituality and what that means. And so when you hear the term spirituality, what does that mean to you? Yeah, of course, um, spirituality uh, in most people's context are always, is always religion based, right? It's always mm -hmm. Christianity. It's always Islam. It's always being a Buddhist. It's always mm -hmm. being a Jew. For me, <clears throat> it is a oneness with the one that created you. It is a full understanding that you are not your body. Mm -hmm. uh, you are a spirit who possesses a soul and you live in a body, but you're not your body. And we spend a whole lot of time, particularly as brothers. I did see the uh, podcast. We were talking with the doctors yeah. uh, 
and uh, it was a brilliant podcast. I celebrate those brothers. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we don't spend as much time. We, we really don't spend time dealing with our physical bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're at the gym and, you know, you, you're doing the you're doing the gym thing. We don't spend a lot of time talking about our physical bodies, but we really don't address the inner man. And mm-hmm. I believe, Markeith, that my income and my outcomes in life are inextricably connected to what I've become. Mm-hmm. So if I don't change what I become, then my income won't change. If I don't change what I've become, then my outcomes won't change. That's good. Everything that happens around me is a mirrored image of what's happening in me. And so there are a lot of people who attempt to adjust and make change to the things that they're seeing around them without addressing the core and root of what's happening around them, which is what's happening within them. That is the question of spirituality that we've got to broker. That's good. And, and, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. And so knowing what spirituality is, how is it different from religion? Yeah, uh, religion is a set of rituals, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a set of standards. And, and I don't I don't disagree that those things are necessary. Yeah. Um, but spirituality, you can you can actually go to church mm. and not be spiritual at all. That's so true. <laughs> so true. You can right? go to church and not be spiritual at all. If you if you're watching, type that in the comments. You can go to church and not be spiritual at all. As a matter of fact, not to cut you off, you yes. can be a pastor. Oh, absolutely. And preach the word and absolutely. not be spiritual at all. <laughs> how, how do I know, Marquise? Because <laughs> the greatest time of connection, mm. and I want everybody to hear this, man. The greatest time of connection that I have with God is after I stopped pastoring. Mm. Right? And here's why. People ask me all the time, hey, Donald, would you ever again become a pastor? And I say, absolutely not. And here's the reason. Mm. There's a level of pastoring, Marquis, that requires inauthenticity. Mm. It requires you to be something fundamentally different than who you actually are. Wow. I've, I've seen a number of pastors that uh, have fallen to inauthenticity. And quite frankly, I've only seen a couple that are actually authentic. My spiritual father is one. He is authentic. Who you see on Sunday morning is who he is at home. I've, I've been able to witness that. But that, unfortunately, is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not it's not wide. Uh, there, there are not wide numbers of participants in the authentic in the authenticity of who they are at home. So I would never go back to pastoring because it requires me to be something that I'm not that that I'm fundamentally uh, not. And so people require you to be for them what they need you to be for them. They require you to speak in ways that make them comfortable. They require for you to act in ways that make them comfortable. And I am no longer comfortable being anything that anyone else wants me to be if it is not who God has created me to be. And so, yeah, I was a pastor who was not spiritual at all. Mm-hmm. And when we look at all of the practices of spirituality uh, or the practices of church dogma, uh, 
that are really, really different than what it is, it, what it is and means to be spiritual. I think we understand that there's a difference between the two. And I ain't, I ain't, listen, this is bad English, but I ain't never going back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm glad you said that, you know, I've never pastored at all. And, but one of the greatest observations that I've always had was that you do have to be an authentic to be a pastor because people want you to be something that you're really not. Absolutely. And, and, and I would talk to all of the pastors that I served. I really only served two pastors um, in my adult life. And I would always tell them that people don't really want to know the truth. <laughs> do that you know what in church let me just say that that it just didn't seem like people really want to know the truth they want to know what makes them feel good uh they want to know what uh, might bring them something you know but they really don't want to know the truth and all and the reason why i say that is because most people really don't even want to do the work Absolutely. To get to the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so here's the deal. Jesus has become, right, just to just to kind of talk about this. We don't mm -hmm. have to talk about church, right? But let's let's talk about this this idea of Jesus. One of the first things I had to do when I stopped uh pastoring was reimagine Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? Um that God is not someone who just sits idly by and waits for your requests so that he can manifest those requests. The frustration yeah. with Christianity in particular is that it requires no work or effort of the person involved with the relationship with God, mm -hmm. right? And so people get frustrated because what they don't realize is God has done, this is, this is not a, a Christian principle, but it is a spiritual one. The creator has done everything he's going to do. Everything now is left up to you. And if you don't do it, there's nothing that will ever be done. Your success is left up to you. Your growth is left up to you. So when you start talking about the fact that they don't want to put in the work, it's because we have taught a Jesus mm -hmm. that suggests he going to do it all for me. And if mm -hmm. he's going to do it for me, there's nothing that I got to do but sit back, cross my legs, and wait on the blessing to come, which is the epitome of fallacy. <laughs> that is just not the way this thing works, right? Mm -hmm. so, so once we develop a sense of connectedness with our creator, right, once we develop not just a connectedness with him, but a connectedness with a, in my context, a brotherhood, yeah. then we begin to see a different kind of result. Um, yeah. like I said, man, I, I ain't never going back to, to, to that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting, you know, as we continue the conversation around spiritual growth, you know, I think for me, COVID was a tremendous blessing. Yes. One, you know, and, and I'm sure people are listening and they'll watch the replay and whatever you have to say about my comments <laughs> today, <laughs> share them, you know, it's okay. I'm, I, I can hold my own, but right. it gave me a reason not to go to church. Yes. Because yes. what I felt was happening and what I knew was going on, that it was just becoming a rote thing to do. Yes. And what the pandemic did was 
put a stop sign of this familiar thing that became just rote memory to do. Absolutely. And I have fully taken the entire break. I've, I have yet to actually gone back. I think I eventually will, but I will go back when I feel the release to go back. <laughs> you know, because what I have used this time really is to really start to develop a greater sense of spirituality, a greater sense of self-awareness, a greater sense of closeness to understanding um, what it means to be in spiritual relationship with the creator. Absolutely. And not necessarily rely on, which most of us do, rely on the preacher, the pastor, to tell us what God is saying instead of us, once again, doing the work to know what God is saying to us. Because, you know, my intent when I would go to church is that the pastor, the preacher, or whoever in that particular position standing in the pulpit was really only affirming or confirming that in which I had been studying and talking to God about in the first place. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, um, So uh, that's, that's a part of my, I ain't never going back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Because here's what COVID did. Uh, And one of the things that the Bible says is that, uh, that we get a chance to understand how God is moving by nature. Uh, the mm-hmm. things that are happening around us. That's what Romans one says, right? So what I understand then is COVID had two messages, Markeith. COVID had, COVID had the message, everybody go inside. Everybody go inside. And then it had the message, everybody stay inside. Mm. Right. The message that I believe the creator was attempting to get to us is once, because you can't, rely on to your point you can't rely on pastors you can't rely on others you got to be able to rely on him i think it was the space where god developed such a connection where we began to trust him more than we began to trust other voices and he he says this now he says now that you're inside stay inside stay inside always go inside when you got a question about what's happening around you Um, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're not really understanding what's happening, go inside and have the question with your own spirit about what is actually going on. And what you will find is that there is um, a greater confidence developed when you for once trust your own intuition. Mm. That when Stop asking the questions externally when you stop relying on your pastor. Now, there's there's safety in counsel. So I'm not I'm not saying to anyone, don't get counsel from anyone. I think that's bananas. Right. But I am saying that when the first person when you've got a when you've got a question that needs to be answered and the first one that you call is your pastor, you're you, you you got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because your pastor can't be the first one that can give you counsel. The spirit connected to your spirit is the first one that has all the answers. And when you learn to trust that more than you trust others, you'll begin to develop a confidence that you and God are a majority all day long. 
And you don't have to always think that there's yeah. someone else you got to call in an effort to get answers to your dilemmas. You know, and and I had that thought a couple of weeks ago, actually. I was reading something, and and in what I was reading, uh, and I believe it was Dr. Cindy Trim, and she was talking about that anytime that you, you find the need to have to get agreement from people to person to people to person, that means that there is a, a lack of connection to where you should have been getting the answer in the first place. Absolutely. So now you're not, you, you, you're, you're revealing your unsurety, right? Because yes. you're really not necessarily connected in the space or with the source and which was to be directing you any, in the first place. So now you're trying to get agreement to make yourself feel good about the decision that you're about to make. Absolutely. And what I can most relate that to is shopping. Okay. That anytime I know, for example, I, I can use an example today. So right now I'm using uh, my iPad Pro as my camera. Okay. Because my Canon camera uh, went out. Okay. And in my head, I knew that I wanted to get a new camera. But I'll go, I went back and forth, back and forth because I asking myself, well, do I want to spend $800 on the camera that I want? Mm -hmm. I could just be economical and just keep using the iPad Pro, which looks okay. It looks decent. Mm -hmm. But today, I made a definitive decision that I want to get the camera that I want. Yes. And I don't need to confirm with anybody Yes. Whether or not I should get it, because it is already resolved within me that I want my live streams to be done in excellence. And though the iPad Pro is good enough, it's mm -hmm. not excellent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I didn't need anybody's agreement to spend $800 on a camera <laughs> to make my live streams better because I had already internally decided within myself of what it is that I desire to have in my life. Yes. Yes. Now That's where counsel comes in is that I connect with my other live streamers and say, I did it today. What accessories should mm -hmm. I consider when purchasing this camera that I've reviewed and everybody recommends? Okay. That's the only counsel I needed. Okay. Not to make the decision to buy the camera, but to get some informed information around what other things that I need to ensure that the camera is operating in, in its best optimal way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and all, what, what I hope everyone hears is that every decision, mm -hmm. every object originates in the realm of the spirit, everyone, right? It all comes, think about the camera that you're about to buy. That camera was first a thought, mm -hmm. right? That's That's the camera it. was first a thought before the pieces came together, before any of that, every piece of the camera was a thought, right? Everything originates from another realm, Marquis. Yeah, that's good. 
and because we because I know that, I go back to the one who is the root of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you you just you just said it, uh, and we call we actually call him that inside the Reman Project. We don't call God God. Sometimes we do, but most times we call him the source. Yeah, right. Because he is the realm of the spirit is, I don't care what you call him, you can call him universe. None of that stuff matters to me. What I recognize is, is that there is someone and something larger than Donald that is out there that when I'm connected to, I choose to call him God. I choose to call him source. I choose to believe in Jesus. That is my personal conviction. But I ain't, I'm not going to clown anyone that does not believe what I believe. We have guys inside the Remand Project that are Muslims. We got guys inside the Remand Project that are Buddhists. We got guys inside the Remand Project that are Christians, right? We got guys inside the Remand Project that don't have any particular formalized belief. I'm okay with all that. What I'm trying to get guys to see is, hey, bro, there's something bigger than you, though, that you are not an accident. You are the product of thought. You are the product of an intelligent design. You were placed here with purpose. And a part of the first two questions that we get guys to answer, that's a part of that character arc that we've talked about is two questions. Sense of spirituality has two fundamental questions inside of it. Who I am, question of identity. Why am I, question of purpose. Most black men, that are malfunctioning, Markeith, are malfunctioning because they have not answered those two fundamental questions. And when you don't answer your identity question and you don't answer your purpose question, you are bound to spend your life in a circle, in a cycle. And you'll make crazy decisions only because you have not answered, who am I? And why do I even exist? Because there was someone behind placing you here. And there was someone behind not only placing you here, but giving you a job to do. And that's why there are a lot of guys who have who are employed, but they're employed in a way that is very different from their purpose. And they're they're dissatisfied, they're angry, they're frustrated because they haven't answered the two questions every man has to answer before he dies. Who am I identity? Why am I purpose? Who am I? Why am I? And everybody knows that the, the mantra for this podcast is a quote that I learned many years ago from the late Dr. Miles Monroe. And he says that the greatest failure in life is to be successful at the wrong assignment. <laughs> and I, I <laughs> believe that it is my calling to help individuals to be successful at the assignment that they were created to do, to leverage the skills that are innately, that innately came with them. Yes. To utilize the gifts that innately came with them. God gave them to you for a purpose. Yes. But we live in a society that causes us to bury them in a sense, to acquiesce to what 
the world standard is in creating, and everybody's not supposed to be an entrepreneur, that's not what I'm saying, but in creating a workforce in a sense in yeah. order to fulfill what their vision is for their families and for themselves. Yeah. And so ultimately, I believe that we all have a gift that we're supposed to be providing within the world and that we all have a particular assignment. And I believe my role is to yeah. help people to reconnect yeah. uh, to that assignment. Give a quick shout out. Uh, Brother, Ron, Brother Ronnie Walker said, good afternoon. What's Dylan. up, man? We appreciate you joining in. Uh, feel free to type in the comments. Let us know your thoughts about our conversation as we continue to talk about African-American men and spiritual growth. Can I, so, can I push on something that you just yeah. said, Marty, though? Go ahead. Uh, I want to push on the idea that not everybody is an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, I wrote a book. I read a book. I didn't write the book. I read a book by a Jewish rabbi. The book is called Thou Shalt Prosper. Yes, I have that book. Right? Yes. So yeah. In that book, you'll remember that a part of his argument is everyone is an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, and yeah. Even if you work a full-time job, you bring your skill set after mm. negotiation of what it is you are going to be paid. That's true. And he says that everybody needs to develop this Donald Morton Incorporated, Markeith Braden mm. Incorporated, Ronnie Walker Incorporated, right? We as individuals are whole businesses yeah. that business with other businesses, even if the business that you are doing business with has hired you as a nine to five person, mm -hmm. you're not an employee. That's you true. are a full entrepreneur doing business with another company. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. That, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, That's absolutely. absolutely true. So when we think about uh, African-American men and spirituality, what do you see are the challenges today with um, based on your experiences with men over the years through the Reman Project? Yeah, the challenges with spirituality is that we have um, limited options, <laughs> right? Limited options that are embraced by the general society, mm -hmm. right? So if you were raised by a single mom, uh, and which a lot of us were, uh, mom and grandma took us to church. That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, my mother was a pastor, still is pastoring at 84. Mm -hmm. Right. And that sister, uh, we, we back. Listen, Marquise, I'm going to take you back, man. I was going to say as a whole nother conversation. I, I got a question around that. <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, we went to we went to Sunday school, mm -hmm. Sunday morning service, afternoon service midweek service right then then meetings usher board meetings all those kinds of things vacation bible school listen church was home mm -hmm. I, I i would have to lay out on the pew right uh in order to uh get some rest between services my mom would take me to when she would go to preach i would play the bongos Right. Uh, she would sing songs. I would play the bongos. I played the drums. I've been an usher. I've been a deacon. I've been in ministry. I've been it all. Oh. My context was church. Yeah. That's all I knew was Christianity. Right. What I noticed, though, over time is that while the fastest growing religion of that time was Christianity, 
the fastest growing religion of this time is Islam. Mm -hmm. Right. Ironically and coincidentally, which is not as much a coincidence, the fastest, the, the, the slowest growing participation in Christianity is men. Yes. The fastest growing participation in Islam is men. Mm -hmm. The correlation is church has become more and more effeminate. Mm. Islam is uniquely masculine. Okay. Right. So a part of what happens is you and I were talking about uh, the traditional male, right? Mm. The traditional male does not find himself, right? He does not feel comfortable or connected in church anymore mm -hmm. because every time you go into church, the message is for women, mm -hmm. the groups are for women, either, either it's for children or it's for women. There is nothing in the local church anymore for men. Mm -hmm. Then you go down to the, then you go down to the mosque, you see more men than there are women and you at least feel a sense of connectedness with the brotherhood that you can't get in the local church. Hmm. Here's what we've discovered. It's not that men don't want to be spiritual. Men don't want church. Hmm. That's good. It's not that men don't want spirituality. Men are abundantly spiritual in Islam. They're abundantly spiritual in Judaism. They're abundantly spiritual in uh, being Buddhist. They are, the only place, the only religion of our time, bro, that is sorely lacking men is Christianity. Hmm. Right? And it is the now, reason. Why, not, not to cut you off, is that true oh, yeah. within the white church as well? It's, in, it's true within the white church as well. Okay. There is a book called Why Men Don't Go to Church. Mm hmm. Right. It's written by a white guy that I think is a former Presbyterian. OK. And he is the one that I learned all of the statistics from. OK. Right. That in, in, and it's exacerbated in the black church. The black church is even <laughs> more. That, right. It's even more that way. So for everyone who says, well, you know, the church is all it's male led. There's patriarchy. And by the way, uh, for everyone who argues patriarchy, uh, I'm in favor of patriarchy. I'm mm. in favor of patriarchy in the way that it was originally intended, okay. right? That you could, patriarchy is not, it was never designed for a man to put his thumb on a woman. That's that's not that's not the original meaning of patriarchy, but it was to measure the success or failure by our society and by families, by the health and success of the man in that, in that family or in that society. Okay. That is, still the case even if we don't want it to be isn't it amazing that our society black women in our society in particular marquise right now are killing the game i, I shout out our sisters man <laughs> sisters killing the game bro they're educated they're in roles as ceos they're doing their own thing right but as it relates to a social and cultural collective advancement we're not advancing. We're not advancing. Why? We're worse because, off than we were. Right, Marquis. So. Why? Because black men still aren't in place in the way that we're supposed to be in place. Mm -hmm. You can you can do everything we're supposed to do for black women. I shout out for I shout them out. 
Yeah. They handling their business. But until you pay attention to men in the way that you've done over this last month and the way that colleagues and friends of mine have done, until you pay attention to black men, we will not see a collective advancement of our people. That is the way that it is. People can argue all day, but as long as we are incarcerating at a higher level, as long as we are killing one another at a higher level, we're not going to see the level of advancement that we really want to see. So the answer is developing a highly spiritual male that is mm. that is interwoven with his connectedness with God, his creator, whoever he calls his creator, right? So that he has a standard by which to live. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why black men are out of pocket is that there is no standard. Mm. There's no standard, Marquise. We we've gotten rid of all the standards. Everybody do whatever you want to do. Now, what is what does that mean? Standard. What does that mean to you? There are there are laws, rules to this life, man. Okay. Right. Every brother understands it this way. I'm a, I'm a, you know, uh, I played basketball. I didn't play football. Um, I played basketball. My sister, this is in my new book, uh, the Reman book, right? My sister, when she was young, my parents take her out to play basketball. That chick pick up the ball, run all under the monkey bars, right? <laughs> right? Because she didn't understand the rules of the game. Okay. Brothers even when we disobey them brothers are best they function best when they understand the rules the rules okay right so you ever see a guy at a football game or a basketball game he sees the guy on the court travel or he sees him double mm-hmm. dribble or he sees right we stand like, oh what's going on right so for everyone who says Brothers don't like rules. We love rules when we understand them. Mm. But when there is a rule today that you change to be a rule tomorrow, that you change to be a rule next week, we don't know where we stand. Even within the family, it used to be really clear. Men, we go out, we kill, we go hunt, we kill, we bring home food. Mom does what she's got to do to bake up the food, cook the food. At least a guy understood this is my role today. And I'm not saying I'm not an advocate for keeping those roles. Right. I'm saying that at least help us to understand what you want from us now. If it is different from what you wanted from us, then what is it? What is it that you want from us now? When we understand the rules, will we break them without question? <laughs> but at least we are better off when we understand what those rules are guys like rules the difference between christianity and islam is we got christianity that says there's a grace do whatever you want to do god will forgive you islam says no you're not coming up in here doing whatever you want to do there are rules there are standards here's one of the scriptures that i've learned you'll you'll know it marquise when the enemy came in like a flood the spirit of god raised the standard Mm -hmm. The answer to the enemy's encroachment, whoever that enemy is, you and I talked about before we got on, talked about excellence, Mm -hmm. right? The answer to the enemy's encroachment, whatever that enemy is or whoever that enemy is, is always a raised standard. When you raise your standard, it will keep your enemies at bay. Mm -hmm. 
But when there's no standard, when it's everything goes, when everybody does whatever they want, whatever they want to do, there's really no freedom in that. We think mm -hmm. that that's being free. There's no freedom in that. There's only freedom when I know where the boundary lines are and I'm free to play within those boundary lines. My spirit has to have rules. If it doesn't have rules, it is nothing but another form of chaos. Mm. So what is the litmus test to this? Like what is, yeah, what is the litmus test to know? To know, right? Because there are, uh, and I, I've always argued this, that that we all have, now I do believe that there are universal laws. Yes, mm -hmm. I do. I, I believe in that. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are many things that we have created as rules mm -hmm. um, that you can always find the contrary to the rule mm -hmm. that causes you to question how, you know, how important or potent the rule is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For example, um, you know, and it's not about comparing, but you know, a rule, for lack of a better terms, uh, that I grew up under is you go to school, go to college, go to graduate school, get a great job, climb the corporate ladder, uh, live a great life, make a high income, retire, um, and, um, you know, retire well. <laughs> but nobody... <laughs> talked about the fact that um, somebody else controlled the the chords. Nobody told me that 24, nobody ever taught me that, you know, you could potentially get laid off. Even though I played by the rules, I could potentially get laid off and then have to decide if I wanted to abide by those particular rules. Yeah. But then you have people where that rule actually did work. Mm -hmm. It actually worked out mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm saying, what is the litmus test to know that you're being successful or that the, that the corporate community will benefit or is mm -hmm. benefiting from people abiding by these what we consider to be uh, universal rules. Yeah. So so when I talk about rules, I'm mm -hmm. talking about particular standards or what you have described accurately as universal laws. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, if I were to tell you universal laws, I would suggest to you, for for example, the book of Proverbs is universal laws. Okay. Right. The book of wisdom that says do this, do this, do this and your life will turn out well, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and so I think what has happened is whenever a law or a principle that our parents gives us, give us conflict with a universal law, I'm gonna choose a universal law. So mm -hmm. for example, believe it or not, being an entrepreneur is a universal law. Mm. Universal okay. law- Okay, I get uh, that. Right. So a it's a universal law because being an entrepreneur is to your point a moment ago, Marquis, being an entrepreneur is an embodied internal locus of control. I take control of my own life. 
right? And I take control of my own life by doing my own thing. It's the freedom that God has given us to choose and to make all the decisions for ourselves. So, so whenever now, now being an entrepreneur also uh, to our point a moment ago, also addresses that when I'm engaged with someone who has started a business and I come in as an employee of that business, that I am I am bringing my full self, my full gift set to that particular element. But I'm still an entrepreneur. So whenever an entrepreneur or whenever a man chooses not to abide by the principles of wisdom as laid out in I'm very getting in trouble, Marquis. I'm very getting in trouble, man. If you ever, and, and maybe you have, bro, I have. If you ever lay the Bible next to the Torah and next to the Quran, there are so many similarities. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for, for everyone to say, well, this is the right book. Well, this is the right book. They, listen, they're, they're all... They're, they're the same. The wisdom in those books are the same. For a man to engage in how to deal with women, the Bible is real clear. Be careful of that sister, right? That is loose with her body. Mm. Be careful of her, right? It, it talks about um, being careful of prostitutes. Right. We, we got a we got a Deshaun Watson that is dealing with that right now. Mm -hmm. So so when we if we would ever dare and deal with common sense principles, it's not deep. It's not this over over spiritual revelation that these guys are getting. The, 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 the Bible, the, the Torah, the Quran is very, very straightforward. Do this, don't do this. If you do this, you'll get this result. If you don't do this, you'll you'll get this result. It, it's it's what it is. So those principles are laws in the same way that gravity is a law, the law of aerodynamics is a law. Those, those are laws that you're going to be able to predict success. The laws of common sense are able to predict success as well. Don't spend more than you make. Yeah. Don't put your name on the car of a person that may not pay the loan back. See, these are these are these are these are laws. And when we get further and further away from those laws, we get the challenges that we're seeing today. So many different ways we could go, <laughs> so many different lanes that we could take, you know, and it's already been uh, 46 minutes. Yes, sir. You know, um, just so many different, so many different things to to talk about. Where does um, a man begin to you know to start developing his spirituality? You know, what are some of those first steps that you have helped men maybe walk through or start when it comes to their spirituality? Yeah, uh, we called them. There are nine. Actually, we added one. There are ten now. Uh, what are called realignment principles, right? Uh, so that a guy who has been out of line with regard to his connectedness with his creator can get back in line. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, man, only two of them are considered Christian. Okay. Right? Prayer. Mm -hmm. I believe in prayer. 
I will always believe in prayer, right? But what about things like meditation that they told me in church was evil? They said, that's some some cult stuff, (laughs) right? Uh, Meditation is good. It is a chief principle of the Remand Project to meditate, right? Uh, We have a coach that deals with nothing but meditation, meditation and mindfulness, right? Um, uh, Being able, we added one called grounding, Hmm. right? Grounding is this sense that if I become one with nature, if I'll just sit quiet with nature, become one with nature, I can realign, right? Uh, Affirmations. Uh, These are what we call inside Remand, the I am affidavit. The I am affidavit is making this promise to oneself, right? About who I am and how I'm gonna show up in the world. Affirmations, which are affirmations in Mm -hmm. question form, right? All of these are principles um uh reiki now 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 i'm gonna get stoned all the christians gonna stone me i i i've had a reiki session okay phenomenal because it taps into another realm to help you understand what's happening yeah right and because to your point i I don't know whether we talked about this on the show or whether we talked about it before the show but because we're so limited marquise we're so limited with what we think we've been exposed to limited things we don't know all that's out there that god created for us to have a sense of connectedness with him so all we know is pray right so so we don't know therapy (laughs) we we know we know prayer right so uh so we got to get back to understanding all these different methods and mechanisms that can be used as long as we understand that they're being used to connect us as a spirit with him who is a spirit is absolutely fine so it can be aromatherapy it can be it can be reiki it can be grounding it can be affirmations it can be journaling uh we call we have something that we call a writing scripture Mm. right which is a way a process that we've developed to help men get to the core of what's really going on because it asks a bunch of questions that force you to be introspective so that you're not staying on the surface with regard to what's really happening in your life. All of those things help us to realign. So anyone, now we call them cocktails inside Remain, right? Every cocktail for every brother is different. One brother may say, I use prayer and meditation. Another brother may say, I use Reiki and affirmation. I don't care what they use as long as the outcome and result of them realigning is effective. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. Black man and spirituality. So different from religion. Some of the things that we talked about. And, you know, it's so important to have these conversations just so that people have an opportunity to one, listen in, but then also to you know how do i how do i correlate that to what i believe to what i have developed within myself and and in what ways am i challenged by what i have just heard i think that if people just approached even church that way that they would grow more yes they would develop in character more Uh, but it takes work it takes you study and it takes you 
reading. It takes you to be exposed to yes. to new things. You know, I yeah. think that a lot of times we don't want to be exposed because it does cause us to have to stretch, and yeah. it might disrupt Ooh, what that's we the believe. Word. That's the word, Marquis. It may disrupt. <laughs> What we believe, what we've been taught, because we never really took the time out to know for ourselves. I at this meeting, at that I did for Juneteenth, uh, the question was asked: was when was your conversion uh, experience? Mm. And for me, it was when I actually my conversion experience wasn't when I actually got baptized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was actually before I got baptized. Mm-hmm. Now, most Christians would, you know, probably want to disagree with me. Right. But I say my conversion experience was before I got baptized because I left home and went to college. And I had to develop my own relationship with God yes, instead man. of relying on the relationship my mother had with God. Yes. Yes. That was truly my initial conversion experience because now I was on my own and I didn't have my mother in my ear telling me what I needed to do in consulting God. I had to develop my own tension. Yes. With God. God became more real to me in that experience than before. And it was, I guess you could call it more like an Abram or Abram mm. experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I had to leave my place, my, mm-hmm. my family, yes. and go to an unfamiliar land. Yes. Even though it was just four hours away, I never spent no time there. I didn't know nobody really there. Yes. Um, and I had to learn who Markeith was. Yes. Which was so interesting that I became more of myself in college than I was Absolute, when I was at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, there, there was there's a question that we ask guys, right? This is a question I want your audience to answer. Who would you be if the one you respected the most wasn't here? Hmm. Right? Like, like, what would you do? Yeah. Who yeah. would you who would you be? I'm dealing with if that now. The person you respect the most weren't here. If they were yeah. past, if they were gone, if they never existed. The yeah. one that you are so concerned about how they view you, who would you actually be if they weren't around? That's the real you. That's the real you. Everyone else, every everyone else that you've been has been shaped by what you think people think of you. Mm-hmm. The real you doesn't really take into account what anyone thinks of you other than the one that made you. Mm-hmm. That's the question yeah. that people have to answer. Yeah, yeah. So good, so good, so good. You know, my last question is kind of more of a, I guess, personal question because I remember yeah. there was a time where we used to get together with a group of other guys um, that kind of fell through. But one of the things that I would always kind of mess with you on was how often you would talk about your mom. Yeah. And knowing that you're now in Atlanta, I would love to know what was that conversation after living in Delaware for so long and deciding to move and leave. What was that conversation like that you're for your mother to find out that you were leaving Delaware? 
I, I gotta share with I gotta share with everybody. <laughs> it was it was you. I'm forever indebted because it was you, you and my therapist, Dr. Turner, hmm. that really checked me about mom, my relationship with mom, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my therapist said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why? Why every time you come talk to me, you talk to me about your mom, yeah. right? And and you've, you've said the same thing, like, mm-hmm. hey, Donald, I've noticed something, yeah. right? So here's what's crazy about the conversation that I had with my mom. Mm-hmm. For years, my mother has always said to everyone, don't stay in Delaware. Whatever you do, don't, don't get stuck here. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go explore, go somewhere else. There are places like Atlanta, Carolina, Florida, just don't get stuck here. And everyone that has ever left has been successful. Yeah. So I brokered the conversation this way. I said, hey, mom, how's such and such? Baby, they're good. They left here. Mm. <laughs> right? How is such and such? They're good. They left here. I said, Mama, I think it's time. Mm. And how and old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 52. Wow. Right? So I'll be 53 in August. So for 52 years, I'd been in Delaware. And I asked her, I said, how you feel? Mm. She said, I would be a hypocrite Ooh. if I didn't say to you, baby, get out of Delaware, right? And so the nuance though for me is my mom is older, Yes. right? She's 84. So I have made a commitment to fly back and forth once mm-hmm. a month, yeah. make sure she's good and make sure mm-hmm. she needs anything, you know? Um, and for the first time, Markeith, my mother is a little more frail than mm. I'm accustomed to. Yeah. So I the other day I said, hey, I, I think I, because I just left Delaware um, to check on her. And she called me with some other things. She said, hey, baby, this is going on. I said, I think I'm going to hop back on the plane. She said, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just don't, don't, because you're going to make me worry about telling you things. Mm-hmm. If you're always gonna fly back the moment I share with you something. Yeah. Uh I, I thought about Atlanta. I mean, I thought about California. Mm. And the reason why I ended up in Atlanta is because California is too far from my right. mom. So she's still in the equation, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. I teach men, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that in our leadership, Markeith, we have a leadership responsibility as husbands. We have a leadership responsibility as fathers, but what most people don't talk about is the fact that as men, we have a leadership responsibility to our elderly parents. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. And so most guys get all, my mom used to ask this question. She said, baby, how is it that one woman can take care of 10 children and 10 children can't take care of one woman? (laughs) Right. And so it causes me to think about how we are treating and helping um, our parents. Um, And so uh, she's still very much a part of the equation, but just in a really, really different way. I I needed to do, and the very scripture that you used in Genesis chapter 12, the Abram Mm -hmm. scripture, 
the Amplified Bible says it this way. Finally, go for your own advantage. Mm -hmm. In other words, God says, do the things that are finally advantageous to you. Yeah. Right. And moving to Atlanta was best for me. It was best for my business. Um, and I'm absolutely elated to be here. Right. But but I still see her. I still FaceTime her. I still yeah. go back and forth. And, and I ask that question because that's where I'm at. I've been yeah. wanting to move. I've been wanting to explore uh, more. Uh, my mom, is, she just turned 71. Good health. Okay. No problem. But she does rely on me a lot technologically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, navigating a lot of things with her finances technologically. Okay. You know, and I'm like, man, I'm in my 40s. I kind of waited a long time to try to want to move. But I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And I, I think that even in my moving will cause, uh, I have my youngest brother, he lives in Houston. He okay. said he's not coming back. But my brother and sister, I have still a brother and sister that live here. And I feel like it will force them to kind of do more. Step up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even, and, and te- technology is so much more prevalent today, you know. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, I could just teach her how to do some of these things. And, yes. you know, I too could fly back yes. and forth easily, you know, because I'm actually considering where you came from more so, D.C., Maryland okay. area. Um, okay. And uh, just for my own personal goal, right? Okay. You know, because Nashville has been a home base for me my just pretty much my entire life outside of college. Got it. And I have always felt that it's so interesting. I've yeah. always felt that um, Nashville was a lid for me. Mm. Because it was a comfort place that everything just always just worked out. Job worked out, fraternity worked out, a brother knew me, I could get a job here. Da da da. Never has really been yes. much of a struggle or strive, you know, because and, and I used to always say this to people, and I and I I consider it all a blessing. You know, I coached with Darnell Darnell. I've heard so many other people's story around, you know their struggles and yeah. bankruptcy and yeah. car yeah. repo and yeah. losing this and losing that. And I used to think, I was like, God, I don't, that's not even a part that's of your my testimony. Story. Right, 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 right. That's not even my testimony, right. but it forced me to think how much risk have I actually taken? <laughs> yeah. Not that I ever wanted to be my testimony, yeah. yeah. but it forced me to think how much risk have I actually taken? The riskiest thing that I ever have done was deciding not to go back to a job after I got laid off in 2014. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, that's probably the riskiest thing. Mm-hmm. The greatest bet I ever made on myself mm-hmm. was deciding that I know that the life that I had for 10 years after finishing graduate school was mm-hmm. not the life that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. could not put myself back in that position to be miserable again. Yeah, And so I consciously made the decision that I'm going to figure it out. You know, yeah. it's 2022 now, eight years later, I'm still yeah. going strong, but that's probably the riskiest thing I've ever done. That's, that's so strong, man. I'm going to tell you something else. You, you quoted miles Monroe. Let me quote him again. Miles said, 
every vision must be tested. Mm-hmm. And he said, millionaire status goes through bankruptcy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I think what I think really what he meant Man, is exactly yeah. what he just expressed, right? And that is the ability to risk it all, lose it all. Mm. Think about every great testimony, Marquise. Yeah. Um, it has all been forged out of trouble. Yeah. It doesn't matter who we talk about. It's all there's a uh, there's a a Netflix thing with Oprah and Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, right? that was so good. Phenomenal, right? Forged out of trouble. Look at Tyler Perry forged out of trouble. It doesn't matter who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Forged out of trouble. And one of the things that that I think we miss is. That God has no use for anyone that won't take a risk. Yeah. Right. Like you coming to Atlanta, I came to Atlanta with my clothes in my car. Mm. Another right? uh, uh, colleague of mine moved to, she just moved to Atlanta in her 50s, Delmar. I don't know if you know Delmar or not. Okay. But she just did it a couple of weeks ago. She's from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Clothes in my car. And 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 what it what happens is now I've had some tremendous help. People yeah. that have just said, hey man, whatever you need, um, you know, uh, they they've been phenomenal for me. But the yeah. decision to risk it all, mm-hmm. it was a decision. Right. I was gonna sink or swim. Yeah. My mom says, Baby, you know Delaware's always home if you need it. I said, No, ma'am, Delaware's no longer home. <laughs> <laughs> Delaware's yeah, no longer I like home. that, you know, that whole idea of, and that's that was my mindset that I said, Well, what what will I lose? My house. A car, but here's what the experience has been over the last eight years. That when I thought I would lose it, yeah, you didn't. I never did. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's my testimony that when I thought I would lose it, I never did. When I couldn't pay my mortgage, somebody told me about a program. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Would yeah. pay my mortgage for two years. Yeah. yeah. And all they would do was put a lien on my house as long as I kept the house for five years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I couldn't pay it, the state paid it for me. And then once the lien fell off the house, I owned the house back yeah. free and clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I thought I was going to go under, um, uh, ministry came up. And pastor mm-hmm. needed uh, marketing and mm-hmm. ministry communication services and mm-hmm. was ready to build his brand. And so mm-hmm. the church popped in right when I thought I might need to go back to work. Yeah. Didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, COVID came along and yeah. clients yeah. were pulling out and holding on to their money, this, that, and the other. But when I thought I was going to go under, you know, and... I- I feel a preach happening, uh, Marquis. Right, yeah, yeah. When I thought I was going to go under, uh, yeah. my mother, who's now in retirement, said, "You know, I wanted to do so much more for you all when I was you were kids, but now that you're adults and I don't have any debt, I can help you out." 
in the meantime? What do you need? Or here's yeah. a little money here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, was yeah. hard for me to take it, but then I was yeah. like, well, no, this is the this is the resource that God made available. Absolutely. Absolutely. He gave me the vision. I just need to keep Absolutely. working the vision. Absolutely. And so I say all that to say that it was the greatest risk, but I was willing. Yes. I was willing to say, God, I'm willing to lose it all. Yeah. Yeah. Just to yeah. go after this vision. And he yeah. has not allowed me to yeah. have to lose any of it. Yeah. I, he ha, he has allowed me not to ever even be late with yeah. any payment. I've never been to collections. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never yeah. lost a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. None of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. some of that, some of that is due to wisdom. Yeah. Because when I was working a great job, making a great salary as a single man, I could have upgraded my life to the point where when I got laid off, I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. but to get a job but wisdom mm-hmm. had me to buy right. a place that if i had to work at mcdonald's to pay the mortgage i could right 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 now to some people because coach darnell would say well that could be a part of the lid right because yeah, yeah. you're not stretching yourself you're not stretching yourself yeah and i understand what she's saying there but um i'm still here today i think and able to do what i do um, because I did not overextend myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for everyone that is listening on the opposite side that has gone through bankruptcy, right? right. Everyone that is listening that has had late payments, um, here's the one thing that you can testify you still here. You're still here. That's you're true. You're still you have 100%, um, you are 100%, um, your, your record is you, you've always won. You've always recovered. You've never lost. Never. never. Yeah. By virtue of the fact that you're still here, mm-hmm. you're still alive, you're still breathing, everything that you've ever encountered, you have overcome. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's good to share. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good yeah. to share. And I share what I share because I used to sit in those conferences. Yeah. Thinking. Well, do I need to go to do I need to go through bankruptcy? Do I need to go through <laughs> No, I'm serious. I used right, to say, right. is my story tragic enough for me to right, be a millionaire? Right. right. You know, do it does it have to be tragic to be a right. to be a millionaire or to be successful right. in business? You know, I right. was grappling with that because yeah. I was thinking to myself, is I you know, I don't have those tragedy, you know, those experiences yeah. in my life. And I'm like, am I do I do I have to go through that or can I learn some of that? Yeah. Yeah. From others. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I still kind of grapple with it a little bit here and there. Yeah, you can, you can learn it from others. I think, I think, I think at the core of the whole thing, Marquis, there's this idea of taking a risk. Yeah. Like uh one one of the favorite my favorite stories right now is this sister Pinky Cole from mm. Slutty Beat. Yeah, I've listened to oh her story. God, man. And, you know, the things that she's encountered, mm-hmm. uh, born or, or you know, the time that she's born in the world. Her story is phenomenal. She's born into the world on the same day that her dad is going to prison. Mm. Right. She's lost a restaurant through fire. Right. Um, I mean, those. But but her thing is, I'm a risk taker. Risk taker. Yeah. Right. 
And and come coming with risk taking means that there's the possibility that you're gonna lose it all. Mm-hmm. But there is also the possibility that you're gonna win it all. Win it all. Yeah. Right. And I too am a risk taker. I've had huge wins, but I've had huge losses. Yeah. Right. But what I recognize is that even when I lose it all, as long as those that call it rock bottom, as long as I know the rock at the bottom, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I can always, I'm always going to be resilient. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about IQ, intelligent quotient. Everybody talks about EQ, emotional quotient. Nobody talks about AQ. AQ is an adversity quotient. What is your capacity of resiliency? Resiliency. Right. And so if if all of us would take a chance to take, you know, um, and enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's that's the key to it. When I came here to Atlanta, I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah. Right. That there, there are things in place. There are things yet to be in place, but I'm enjoying the journey. Right. And, and I recognize, I mean, things are opening up for me uh, because I'll, I'll say this and I'll be done, Marquis. Every brother listening will recognize this. You'll recognize this. Every man needs a mountain. Transformation happens at the mountains that are placed before us. Mm. Every man needs a mountain. Um, Every man needs a place that he is faced with the obstacle of his life that is going to force him to the highest and best version of himself. If he never has the mountain, he can never transform. If everything is easy, he can never transform. So so when we have a mountain, that mountain transforms us and brings out of us the things we never knew existed, Marquis. That's good. So either you have a mountain because the mountain is created by others or you create a challenge for yourself but a challenge or a mountain needs to exist in order for you to become who God needs you to become. So good. I'm going to let you let that be your closing remarks because that was yes, a sir. good closing remark. Yes, sir. Well, let us know how we can learn more about the Reman Project as well as yourself, where we can find you on social media and uh, connect with you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on social media by going to uh, at Real Don Morton or at Remain Community. Uh, those are uh, whether it's IG, whether it's Facebook, it doesn't matter. All of those things are the same. LinkedIn, all of them are the same. Uh, or you can go to www.remanproject.com uh, or remaininternational.com. Um, and uh, I've got a new book that is coming out, uh, comes out uh, in the fall, uh, and it's the Reman book. It is a book that combines both the information and the transformation necessary for every man to become uh, or live the life of leadership and legacy that he's always wanted to become, uh, always wanted to have. So uh, if you go to the remanbook.com, you can order the book, get your copy. We are doing pre-orders right now. And uh, it is a book on fire. The transformation that that book brings is second to none. It is specifically written to men. Uh, So for every sister, uh, order the book for your dude. For every guy, 
order the book. Uh, it's not just a straight read where you're going to get bored. Uh, there's candy along the way uh, that you'll enjoy. And so get uh, get the Remand book by going to theremanbook.com. Well, brother, I appreciate you. It's been a I great conversation. You. Thank you yes, for sir. joining me today on the Maximizer Brand Podcast. And many of you might be asking, Markeith, you know, you're supposed to be talking about branding and personal branding and, and marketing and how people can better uh, promote themselves and at the end of the day, I believe that personal branding is personal development. I'm going to say it again. Personal branding is personal development. Without self-awareness, then you really can't brand yourself as an authority in a space. And so that's why I wanted to spend time talking about men's health and all the different topics that we talked about uh, this week. I want to let you know that actually we're going to have these live streamed uh, on Twitter uh, uh, pretty soon. Uh, some of them will be live streamed on Twitter all night this evening uh, so that you can catch the replay. All you have to do is go to my page, Markeith Brayton. And starting around about six o'clock, we will live stream all the episodes on Twitter. Also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, I want you to go to your favorite uh, platform, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and subscribe. Leave us a rating and review and let us know how you enjoyed the episodes. But until next time, just remember this. Always shoot for the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Take care.